वेलकम टू सन टॉक दिन टॉकर्स अराउंड द टेबल टुडे डिस्कस द टाइप्स एंड टोकन्स विल थिंक अबाउट द वर्ल्ड फ्रॉम अ टैक्सोनॉमिकल पर्सपेक्टिव इज एवरीथिंग अ टोकन ऑफ सम टाइप ऑफ द अदर does the world have a structure at all can it be said how many types there are can it be said that there are different types of human beings languages and substances what kind of a tree is the tree of life are tokens copies can languages be classified like life what is language itself a type of if there are different types then how do they come to be are there different types of mutations and what is the future of our understanding of types kinds classes universals and identities of all sorts we are pleased and privileged to have three sin talkers with us here today Dr. Tanmay Bhattacharya he is a linguist with expertise in Chomsky and syntax he also has interests in issues of language pertaining to philosophy gender and society he is from Delhi University Dr. Rakesh Mishra he is a biologist and has interest in how information is encoded and expressed in the genome He has done this by asking how the body axis is formed in animals. He is from CCMB in Hyderabad. And Professor Premada Sarkar, she teaches philosophy at University of Calcutta, and her interests lie in logic, analytic philosophy, and applied ethics. So Rakesh, why don't we set the ball rolling with you? Uh, maybe at this. somewhat cliched but maybe not so well understood idea of tree of life um what kind of a tree of life is that you know it's 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 common place to say that we've all come from the same origin how accurate and precise is that is is that is that really true i mean to the extent that these things could be known with certainty yeah so tree of life is basically uh, connecting or linking various living things on this planet with animal plant all kinds of animals bacteria and the way we show it it becomes easier if it is in form of tree so there is some origin then it grows then there is branching and there are sub branching and so on so it looks like a tree is that so, is that diagram a schematic a matter of convenience or is that more or less how it is or it I mean, it's an evolutionary thing so no it's it's a matter of convenience that is not how it is if you actually uh, uh, draw the tree where the length of the branch and the thickness of the branch reflects actually the time and the number of species as is supposed to be then it will not look like a tree it will look something very different so it's made as a tree so that one can easily establish the relationship among organisms it's more of a logical diagram yes, rather yeah, than yeah it's more of a uh, it shows that how 
you know the yeah. antecedents you know the precedents you yeah. know the flow. how many steps you have to go then you can connect to insect or how many steps backward you have to go where be branch from a common ancestor at some point so it reflects basically the evolutionary relationship and again obviously given that we're thinking of types and tokens here um the entities or the organisms on one branch of this of this tree of life um are they all the same type i mean they're obviously not identical to each other because they are different organisms and uh, what does the geneticist in you say about that uh, they are they are distinct in fact every uh, organism is distinct from one another so on one branch uh, all the uh, uh, species that are reflected they are uh, by themselves and genetically distinct how how so because clearly there's something similar between all human beings or homo sapiens but there's also something different so how does one get a rigorous grip on this similarity and difference question yeah so if we are uh, just to say if we are not similar the two things when they are not sim- uh, not different they are called clones so as you know that uh, none sure. of us are clones so because the reproductive process is such that there is exchange of material so even without any mutation which is a normal process and occurs during uh, duplication of the dna the process called replication uh, that is very essential of life that it can uh, replicate itself so even the sexual uh, reproductive process involves two way of mixing the genetic material or making different one is one copy coming from uh, male parent and one copy coming from female parent that is one way and another way is that even during formation of the gamete which is what is going to be conveyed uh, uh, transmitted to the next generation the maternal paternal copy of the dna is uh, uh, kind of uh, exchange a process called recombination so these two processes actually make every individual distinct although the source of uh, 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 information which is the dna is parental but this individual is unique but there is such a thing as a family tree there is such a thing as ethnic group there is such a thing as um, you know different you know it's a little tricky word but different yeah. races I mean, yes, do, yes. these things do exist yeah. right i mean yeah. or languages or language there is a similar families. language is a little bit uh, 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 not genetic so sure. what we are talking about more uh, any difference i think tanmay means it in the formal sense in the yes, in, in, in the in the, the sense of it I, having similar yeah the reason i say it because the in the early history of this classification mm-hmm. linguistics was actually directly influenced by the taxonomic practice in biology right so in fact they uh, didn't chance upon they actively source out the biological tree of life and try to use it for language families as an analog of sorts yes yes to... and they were quite successful and also a brief comment on what rakesh just said the connection is actually genetic connection so we have uh, two kinds of broad divisions in classification of languages one is the aerial classification like say india is an area so there is this concept of india as a linguistic area what are the language families within that right but there is also a genetic classification which is let's say uh, many of the in fact all the languages we speak are from a common root indo european but there are other language families also so one but that indo european root is a genetic root you mean it in that sense yes genetic root because it is in, 
very um, closely connected with the migration story. So the groups of people who went to certain place in southern uh, Russia and uh, from there they spread out or they came through Arab, Arab from east of Africa, they spread out and different language groups sort of evolved according to that group of people who moved in. So, so it is in a way genetically a... connected also. And okay. but that's 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 a slightly fuzzy connection, or how rigorous is that? Because obviously there are patterns of migration and movement and so on, and obviously as people grow and offsprings come, languages also tend to grow in the same manner. So one gets it at that intuitive level. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you try to establish that in a somewhat rigorous way, how how one to one? Yeah, I would admit that, that it is not as rigorous as a genetic uh, tree would be. Right. But it is uh, not fuzzy either because the logic is kind of same. Right. Except that there are many other factors which come into play, Correct. which is about settlement, region, weather, etc. All kinds but of things. But one more point I just thought I'll briefly comment upon that within this tree of life, and I'm sure Priyamada will also agree with me on this, that this whole tree of life model, there is an assumption that there is one point, starting point, a root of the tree. I mean, the inverted root of the tree, if you prefer. But there is one point and there is a spread out. And in the most of the pictures, it is a kind of symmetrical spread. And uh, I agree with Rakesh when he said that it is a matter of convenience, not really the actuality which is portrayed no, but in this But this trees. whole business of origin, of there being, let's say, this Luca concept, last universal common ancestor, that is that is is that is that solid enough? Yeah. Or is it's, that also an approximation yeah. of sorts? So now, actually, the tree of life was uh, uh, imagined and drawn well before we understood uh, in detail the detail in which we understand today uh, relationship between organism in terms of their genomic uh, content or DNA sequence. So now, in fact. Uh, uh, like just Tanmay mentioned the, the language relationship. So what I was meaning was that language is not outcome of genetic structure. The same genetic makeup uh, depending upon this acquired character. Right. But because uh, uh, whatever we acquire is also relatedness, so you can interpret in that way. Right. So that comes. Uh, uh, That's why. Coming back to That's this uh, common origin. Uh, is by and large understood that long, long time back, uh, maybe there have been few more origins, but what has succeeded is uh, one common origin. The very strong evidence for this is now the genetic evidence that we use the same molecular basis of all our biological processes. That the same way we encode information in the DNA, so this can make this protein, this can make this RNA, is identical. So the whatever the happens way, in us will be the same in the yeast exactly or something like that. Exactly. The, the way to make protein in bacteria is identical the way we make protein. So that means we have a common ancestor because these mechanisms is very difficult to imagine that they have independently evolved and keep so much similarity. Right. I mean identity. Now, if we take a step back and you know, we'll go to Premada in a minute, uh, Rakesh. You know, when we jump from human beings and you know, all of us here in this room to this last universal common ancestor, there's a big jump, right? But if we ask the more general question of what are human beings a type of? What are human beings a type of? What are What is the immediate bucket to which we belong? Is, is that... So we... Is that... We share... Straightforward? Uh, 
you know see the we can only uh, rather is our homo sapiens one branch of the tree it it's a uh, towards the end it's one of the branches so the if you go then we will soon find that all uh, primates are emerging as one sub branch then they are uh, in one branch and they are uh, then branching into various uh, uh, apes and monkeys are there different so, types of homo sapiens or homo sapiens yeah. as a species no, so and it kind of stops so there. they in biology is very clear cut the we call a species uh, when there is a reproductive compatibility mm-hmm. so that is very broadly if we become two species when There's There's a reproductive no, barrier between there's the two. reproductive barrier, so you cannot now mix the genetic material again of those two. All Homo sapiens are one species, so that means they are uh, not separated uh, by reproductive barrier. So they are, and but they, as I said, uh, individual specific differences will be there for two reasons I ex- explained, and the other reason is that when replication is happening. errors are introduced yeah. very rare but are they are introduced You're talking of mutations in, and some yeah, yeah yeah those we call as uh, errors mutation is little bit uh when environment so, driven yeah uh, environment driven something goes rare. and damages it so premada we jump to you i think we have opened up a few notions and ideas here uh, but essentially we are talking of uh, when one talks of tokens of types what is type for you as a philosopher we are essentially talking of categories and classifying in a way does the world have a structure at all because all of this makes sense if the world has a structure otherwise we are all making stuff up as, at some level i i have uh, something to comment on on the sure. um, discussion that was something one point that um, e- these concepts are all fuzzy concepts and uh, like uh, we shouldn't feel inferior or we shouldn't say no 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 it, this is not fuzzy because you cannot really point out that look this is the origin of human beings you have to you are imagining you are not having everything in your hand and um, there are many things so that when when one says this priyambada one doesn't necessarily point to a singular entity it is eventually there are population dynamics and there are groups and subgroups and populations interact with each other and something happens so uh, these no. lines have some thickness i mean they're not unidimensional lines on the street of life as far as token is concerned mm-hmm. token is uh, having some special temporal uh, properties like you take priyambada as a particular human being Uh, having a particular special and temporal location, but this token concept is not fuzzy. So what fuzzy is Priyambada is a token of? Token of a human being, uh, a human being, a female human being, a urban uh, um, East uh, East Indian. Sure. So you can you can go on dividing. So um, like as long as we are talking about everything. you can uh, talk in terms of types and tokens mm-hmm. but you know it's always restricted to i think that it's always restricted to our domain of discourses 
like the way uh, physicist talks about types and tokens and the way uh, uh, rakish talks about um, types and tokens that will be that will not be the same because they will think of the world in terms of their realities so two so, human beings are not two in the same way as two electrons obviously not because they are you mean it in that sense uh yeah yes like w- why are we having these distinctions because we want to understand the world mm-hmm. we want to understand life and it's our craving for understanding that leads to this structuring you are giving a name it's structuring as a tree so uh, uh, i would like to is uh, premanda made nice point but i want to clarify Uh, because i can see the confusion uh, sure. that can arise sure. uh, so i now technology exists by just dna sequence analysis we can uh, establish the accurate sequence of uh, all of us sure. that is now even affordable if i have that information i can actually establish that how many generation back we had common ancestor with reasonable precision that maybe 300 years ago or maybe 5000 years ago we had common ancestor we are originating from the same uh, individual we do find no problem in thinking that okay this was the uh, tribe or uh, group from where all of us have originated you became west indian i became east indian somebody south indian north indian and so on the same logic same technology is used to calculate how many generation back or how much time it has passed that we have separated from uh, other uh, apes or other primates or even other organisms so now actually like uh, uh, we mentioned that we established the tree of life by many uh, different kinds of evidence including language including ling- language on limits only to humans but uh, which animal was uh, domesticated at what time all kinds of uh, evidence were used but now genome has made the whole thing very easy it can be uh, complete information about an organism can be drawn the genetic information can be drawn and can be compared so we can actually calculate how many generation backs these things are related so now you give me any piece of a body of any animal with the dna information i'll be able to tell what animal it is and how it is related to uh, rest of the so you can say from the genetic material which animal it is whether yes, it's a snake which... or a lion or oh yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. that actually we use in the in our lab as a forensic uh, tool we help uh, forest department uh, custom department police you can just look at genetic material and say that yeah, this must be the same yeah so we some uh, blood uh, spot or semen spot or flesh or sure. cooked meat or hair we can isolate dna sequence and then tell uh, which species it was so that is because we are so, uh, this information is uh, a, a fact and we can connect to other things yeah so i want to say that even uh, one of the good, good examples of this is the denisovan man only one uh, in uh, siberia only a part of a thumb was found mm. and they reconstructed the whole yeah. uh, human yeah. actually from yeah. from that uh, genetically so that was also my comment more or less to priyamadas uh, uh, in linguistics also in language family trees also 
they are not fuzzy when i said they are not fuzzy in the sense that there are some clustering of properties right. we know that this family has certain properties which we can show by actual tests and we can actually demonstrate certain properties and that is not shared with the other branch and and, uh, uh, and tanmay just so that one gets the technical nuance right when you say family you mean a set a type what what is family well, language family the particular understanding in this domain is that language family is like the earlier example i gave indo european sure. from their indo iranian indo aryan and the modern indian languages you could say that's a family one family again it would have some branches and so on definitely so you could say that there is one starting point and then it branches into diverse uh, sub families and that has uh, no but these are names what exactly do they share they share this clustering of properties so and of course the what kind of linguistic properties well let's say these are uh, since i don't want to make it technical let's say something like uh, the kind of uh inflections that you will find on the verb right. or the kind of language change that this family has undergone which is different from let's say another family dravidian for example so there is no earlier branch of dravidian which has been established so what we work in hand in hand so now so they would all the, share the same typology they would all the dravidian languages is not a big extending family it is mm-hmm. just there is no i mean people have it's a tight cluster yeah they have tried to establish some elamite theory that came from somewhere else but actually what have been found and now been confirmed by the geneticists that it is very um uh, very much a prop, very much something which originated in india perhaps Mm-hmm. but there are other families so there are lots of languages in africa there are lot, lots of languages in um East, eastern europe which are not this family then there are isolates like uh, japanese and korean they or finnish even they don't do all languages belong to some family or the other no so i'm just some trying these... to get a grip on the comprehensive comprehensiveness of these trees yeah right? yeah like the same question can be posed to rakesh to say that do all organisms belong in this tree of life to all languages no these are different i mean for language family trees is slightly different from the sure. life uh, tree of life so i can say there is one language family tree i can give you one chart that will sort of cover the whole world and all the languages Mm-hmm. okay at least their uh, ancestors or earlier forms or if they are isolates they are family by themselves so there you could probably pose the question that this is a type and a token itself when you say japanese is there is no ancestor of japanese right or korean right so these but they they can be covered you know but when you say they are isolates they are true isolates they are not connected to anything at all uh, right they are not uh, connected to anything that's why you could not establish the relation right. therefore they are just a separate independent so how branch. do they come to be i mean is how how does that happen well there are different theories and as i was saying that we now work with the geneticists to establish many theories but there is one point where the picture gets little murkier it's not as uh, rosy as rakesh uh, painted because from genetics at least in my study of the human genetics study whatever i have looked at you can actually kind of prove many theories not one theory of origin of settlement exactly. because there are lots of uh, mixing that happened there are a lot of admixing happened and then it is a matter of looking for it evidence in question no, no. you're asking uh, no no it's i a want to looking for evidence from no, other no, branches no, no, so that's no, why i think linguistics archaeology is what important. what genetics tells is your relatedness now how it led to evolution of new language new uh, culture that's not the claim of genetics at all this day we don't know that that will depend on other factors 
Sure. I mean, uh, like for instance, we will say if you, there is, let's say, Tamil-speaking village, uh, there is one person, let's say, from Punjab goes and settles around there. Will also speak Tamil, but if there is no uh, 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 marriage within the sure. group. We will always be able to tell that this person is from Punjab and rest are from Tamil Nadu. That's Although right. linguistic will say that they are all speaking Tamil now. So mm-hmm. there is no. We want to go to that question. So that is a secondary I, 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 yes. acquired character. So that's why we should not, we can use each other's uh, when it makes a sense, but we cannot uh, link so tightly. Yeah, yeah. That is, that is understood in linguistics understood. also. Uh, what I wanted to say is not that that you cannot have one uh, origin at the back of everything because it's no you know it's the human tendency to uh, find to grasp all tokens under one type so if you can get it scientifically that this is the one from where everything came out that is fine i've no i've no objection to that only thing is uh, it's the uh, things are not that clear at every level so there also we Fair, want yeah. to form a kind of unitary idea we want to have a when whenever i'm saying family family has got various connot- connotations Mm-hmm. in case of genetics in case of language in yes. case of uh, domestic uh, yeah, yeah. field so whenever you are uh, classifying something what is family priyambada i mean obviously there's this whole notion of family resemblance yes what what is it family, you know one can look at people from the same family let's say if one has to dump it down and say that they're from the same family but same what exactly exactly is? that means like suppose if i if i tell you that probably i met your brother last year then you might ask how do you know that he's my brother sure. then i can tell you that That's well fine. your uh, nose looks similar right but that doesn't mean all members of the family breathe in and out through only one and only one nose Sure. They have noses that are similar in liking. So when I wanted to mean that fuzzy thing is not that obnoxious. Like it's a kind mm-hmm. of, this kind of relationship is there. When we do not find a single unitary cause accounting for every everything, every multiplicity. Do you, do you, do you think of families as sets? I mean, you know, you've thought of logic over the years. What exactly? is is what do all tokens share that like the way you are because asking, tokens are not copies right they're not clones no, no, as, no. as rakesh has pointed out copies. and the way you are asking questions you're presupposing structure presupposes a structure like you want to find but i asked you that question a while ago does the you, world have a structure at all <laughs> you, you want me to say look these are the points in which all these tokens are similar and i'll not answer that that's fine so That's all fine. the families they does don't the, have this one identical property does no. the world have a structure priyambada uh, whether the world has a structure or not that i cannot tell only thing in order to understand the world i need structuring agree <laughs> i agree with that <laughs> well then And, that in in other words that uh, what we understand is what we'll be able to talk so that means uh, we will understand uh, structural aspect of the world exactly so i would rather say that the world has a structure what we call as the world at least in biology sense that's what was the birth of molecular biology that everything has a structure each enzyme has very precise structure 
each molecule knows how to interact with one another because of their physical chemical properties and uh, there is a randomness but within the uh, the limits of the broad structural environment that is given for example in the cell there is a nucleus in the nucleus is genetic material and genetic material the way it is uh, packaged in nucleus is different from different uh, cells even in the same individual you have five 50 trillion cells each nucleus has some difference with one another but you can define pretty much uh, uh, with great accuracy what that structure is and uh, make a functional sense no, out I of it no i think the question in a way is that are there i think the, the very interesting point that premada is making that whatever can be understood as a structure or at least it can be understood via structures um uh, but does it mean or presuppose that there are no facts which are no, outside no, of structures I can are, are all facts structural facts in in i can go very well with rakesh in by giving a philosophy uh, an example from philosophy i'll give which a is, linguistic uh, example very good <laughs> yes uh, you know like in um, like in one system of philosophy in vedanta philosophy there is one type which has got no tokens if we think in that this line which, which, they which, have not thought which type is that that is brahman brahman the pure consciousness that is a type it doesn't have tokens similarly there are like from metaphysical perspective you don't have to understand the intricacies or something in there is something called visheshas uh, in vaisheshik system they are tokens they are tokens but they don't have types but what are they how does one understand them uh, vishesha very, that's very faintly very crudely i can say like the i don't know the atoms the or whatever scientists have discovered the fundamental particles a very fundamental part of the no but all fundamental particles have belong to some type or the other no no, no. but no, no, that type now that uh, they are different from each other they are different from each other they are not saying atoms they are saying it's eternal particulars this is a kind of typical metaphysical notion uh, but they say that these are all tokens they don't have types. but they are unique they are unique they are so unique. they are unique particulars they are unique exactly unique particulars they translate it it also as unique particulars so you know there is one which is type no tokens these are tokens no types but these are not at all our mundane uh, they don't belong to our mundane world but do they belong to reality at all i think or are they, they just are they just um, no no they will abstract. they belong to this from their point of view to the absolutely reality or paramarthika satta as long as we come to this uh, mundane level vyavaharika jagat there you have exactly the way you are saying that everything i can explain in terms of types and tokens so that is that is fine are all types abstractions of course in a certain sense of course they are yes they are would you agree tanmay well that, in uh, for my in, in a way they definitely are, i'll agree types but, can be thought of as forms and tokens are particulars no? yeah more or less and the forms can be abstract in fact that is what the function of types uh, is for our field but to come back to rakesh's thing um, about the patterns in the world so that has been also 
considered uh, from the point of view of linguistics. Mm-hmm. And for example, you have this uh, Fibonacci series, right? Where you have uh, the sunflower sure. petals and peacock uh, uh, feathers, spots, etc., or reproduction rate of rabbits, etc. So you find a certain kind of series propagating. You find a certain kind of symmetry in language. For example, it's not so precise, but uh, we have tried to show that there are certain uh, symmetries, which is kind of easy to show, but there are also certain asymmetries. So I'll give you an example, uh, non-technical version of it. So in um, languages like English, when we have to ask a question, we put the question word at the beginning. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what does uh, sure. Rakesh why, like? Why, okay. how, why? They'll come okay, the, the sentence behind it, the answer is that Rakesh likes uh, mangoes. Okay, so I'm questioning well, you, how, Rakesh. How do you do this? <laughs> <laughs> he likes Allahabadi mangoes. So, <laughs> so then uh, that is a property of movement to the fronting that's called. You're right. moving the operator, the so-called WH word or the question word in the front. Right. And there are several examples of such movement of fronting to the left in the sentences of languages. Right. But very few such unbounded movement. Now, why is it unbounded? Because if you have a long sentence, even in English, if you just want to question mango, let's say that uh, Rajat said, uh, uh, Priyamada saw Rajat ask uh, Rakesh likes mangoes. And then I want to question mango. I still would put uh, that what all the way in the front. What did Priyamada see uh, Rajat ask Rakesh likes? Okay, that's the grammatical form of that sentence. So this is called unbounded movement to the left. Now you find many such instances, this is just one example, many such instances to the unbounded uh, fronting on the left-hand side, but you don't find it on the right-hand side. You find a little bit of movement, but you don't find all the way up there. So this asymmetry has been actually exploited by certain linguistic theories to show that this is because of not a lack of pattern, because there is a pattern that certain kind of things, operations, like questioning is an operation on a assertion or a proposition, uh, have this syntactic property that movement to the left is unbounded but not to the right. And that has been tested against many languages and it has been found to be true. So there seems to be, you know, patterns, you know, even absence of patterns or symmetry is a pattern. So Why do you bring this up in the notion of In the notion in the sense that if because you say that this is a property of the language, it's not something which invented yeah. by somebody. Yeah. So you can actually go and study in the field one language, let's say in Ethiopia, and you find this uh, universal to be true, to hold true for this language as well. For that so, particular, for yeah, that so token. You, yes, for you could say that this is a structuring in the language sense that it actually exists. It's not that I want to only understand language through structure. But it exists. But I want to just say briefly that your question, you had said that yeah, there is no denial. At the same time, we try to understand the world through structure because we are in a way all scientists, we are trying to understand that. But uh, looking at from the point of view of language, I could say that there are things beyond structure as well. For example, poems or the stylistics of a poem. I cannot... I can break it down structurally also. I can analyze a poem also. But that takes out the whole poetic or poemness of the poem. So there is something beyond the structure, which is certain kind of emotion, which is maybe psychological, associated with certain sounds, certain words, certain collocations, depending on each one's experience, etc. And that cannot be scientifically captured. In fact, moment you try to put some scientific methodology, you actually lose the thing itself. 
it doesn't yeah. remain there a poem may be anymore deviation from pattern or structure is the uh, beauty of the poetry that you are bringing which is unique for that if it is predictable then it's not so much uh, of fun no i think the yeah. beauty of the poetry is that if you cannot actually break it down so easily yeah it's something un- mm. incomprehensible in your head which works and you say aha and that aha is because you have not actually figured out you can say aha so when you figure it out but certain things which connections you have never thought of and that collocation that phrase that phrasing in the poetry gives you that feeling what that, is uh, what is language itself a type of well that's a question i've thought of and the way we practice at least in formal linguistics because you said that japanese is a language which is a type and a token but what is language itself is 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 the lang- is language itself such a thing which is a type and a token by itself no that's a hard question actually in fact it is very you know what to, i mean premadha i can understand i have gotten the an answer it's, it's kind of you, it's very easy to slip into saying that it is a representation of the mind but mm. it is not that i have to go slightly deeper go deep let's go deep okay so there is uh, the theory that we currently believe and many of us uh, work on is that uh, it is uh, called the biolinguistic program okay so where we look at language as a organ in fact language should have been studied by the biologists because it is very unique and human property but uh, it is too complicated unpredictable it seems so it seems therefore the so called uh, uh, scientists did not actually look at it but the linguists look at it scientifically and showed that this is a biological property and therefore there's something which is uh, must be connected to evolution okay so this is uh, going to the domain of language evolution language as an organ yes so language is a token and organ is the type in a way so it's a type of a it's a type of an organ well that's a hard thing to uh, come up with right. because the moment i do that it seems like a simplification i'm slipping into this presentational view correct. so the theory of evolution the connection in biolinguistics is the first time maybe in 60s or so this connection with evolution was uh, who, attempted who thought of that like well lenneberg and lot of people um, around him and other people thought of uh, language as a biological do organ. all languages share something like this whole universal grammar business is it yeah that's that's yeah still that's still a strong yeah. hypothesis in fact, or whatever in fact that people. is connected with this evolutionary theory mm. so the evolutionary theory if i can tell you a little bit about it in very briefly the idea is that it is probably the emergence of language is not really the aristotelian definition of language of sound and meaning coming together but it is at a very biological perhaps a mutation and uh, individual mutation that happened perhaps 100000 years ago just before the out of africa migration around 60 to 70000 years ago from the east of africa happened uh, there were evidence that there were uh, higher thinking and lot of organization in terms of tools making etc happening and it is uh, thought of proposed that maybe language evolved around that time and the theory that we but does it have uh, biological correlates Yes it has biological correlates in the sense of uh, so like for example if one makes the claim that there is such a thing as a universal grammar is it a metaphysical claim or what's the nature of that claim like is that does it have something to do with the with our with our physiology with our biology with with our biology in the sense if you think with, of with language as are. language yeah. as a organ 
Okay. Yeah. And organ uh, part of the brain. Does and it have something to do with how our brain is? Yes. How, that's how, that is what exactly I was going to say. And there is correlates, of course, like the distance between the archaeological findings or the distance between the tool and the source of the raw material increased as we came nearer to this time of 100,000 mm. years ago. So the idea that theory in short is that it perhaps a mutation happened in a single person and that person developed the idea of uh, thought, thinking, or a, rather a structured thought. In fact, that person could probably for the first time put two expressions, let's say alpha and beta, expressions, alpha and beta, and put them together in, to make then, gamma. Tanma, if, if this is true, then this Chomsky and universal grammar itself must also be evolving, no? That grammar itself. Well, the claim would be that this is this is something which never evolved. So, in fact, language evolution is a mismatch of, it's an oxymoron. So, language really never evolved. It is like uh, one of these exaptation things that it's suddenly a part of the brain which was doing some other function, like let's say the feathers of bird which were keeping the body warm. Sure, sure, suddenly sure. it is used for flying. It became wings. So, that part of the brain became, you know, able to put two things together and make a third new thing. And that gave you recursion. So recursion, but in the sense of meaning, in the sense of thinking. So that human being, for the first time, not only could combine alpha, beta and make a new thing like gamma, but also could do uh, uh, could do thinking. But then that thinking in one individual is not going to be good enough for language to evolve. So when it became passed through this state, passed through one family or whatever, in a group, as a germ maybe, um, this uh, need or maybe accident of speech happened of uh, sort of externalizing this inner thought, which right. was like a very strange thing happening inside. Imagine a very strange thing happening well, inside your head yeah. and you don't know what to do with it. But that is maybe the emergence of thinking. And then suddenly you find that some other person across the jungle also perhaps is showing the same kind of behavior. Uh, maybe a mutant, okay, if you look at from the popular mythological point of view. And you feel like then expressing it out. So externalization happened. And so this is the typical... Where, where are you on this, Priyambada? What is language a type of? Do you have an intuition on this? Does uh, uh, Yes, I, I thought about it. And I thought that like all these different uh, different languages, like Bengali, Hindi, Tamil, whatever. Uh, and whatever language, these languages are token. And uh, they, they are tokens of something called the language. The language, which is abstract. The concept is yes. abstract. Now, uh, if we... It's possible for there to be tokens belonging to a type without that type existing, no? Uh, it's not... Uh, or, or, I'm, I'm or are we talking genealogy? Does one thing lead to another? Does um, Are these offshoots or they are... No, it's not. It can be like philosophers have given a name to it. This is called meta language. Right. When you are uh, talking about that, Sanskrit does not have this inflection. So right. you are talking not from the um, point of view of Sanskrit. You are outside it. Right. So you are when you are commenting. Even universal grammar is that. Because they are commenting on token languages that they all belong to this. So this is a concept of meta language that you can use as a type. Right. And all these languages which we speak, these are token languages. 
like this is a one way of thinking but i learned a lot from your uh, this uh, i i never heard about this this, this evolution interesting. Uh, interesting but i so think linguistics sorry think Akesh, go ahead. i should clarify something about the evolution the way tanmay described although uh, it, it, it tells the essence of it but it is unlikely almost impossible that a mutation occurring in individual has led to this kind of thing it has to be a population is very thing simple let's say if mutation takes place in me occurs in me so as i mentioned i have 50 trillion cells each one is unique yeah. uh, unit of uh, uh, of its own mutation will occur there it will do something there if let's in the brain some mutations that most of the time it will be disaster and that cell will die if it has any consequence for the coming generation mutation has to be in the germ line the sperm that is going to the next generation that so that means this how does that happen so that i as i mentioned the error that is happening during replication so those be mutation and the things like complex thing like language if it is a hair a curly or straight skin color even these are multigenic structure but some of them are monogenic structure where one mutation can have consequence but behavioral thing like language where we produce sound gestures then hear and interpret you know this thing is i think very gradual multiple things uh, happening and whichever was helping in this communication system was making species more and more effective so they were being selected for yeah and But this is where i disagree if i can interrupt at yes. this point because what we have been studying wrongly actually is speech you know let's say last 2000 years or so in linguistics but uh, according to this story this fable all of us are telling some fable this is a non evolutionary <laughs> fable of language evolution where we say there is just thing sitting there from 100000 years ago and it has not actually evolved it is the same complexity same sim- simplicity whatever you want to call it um but this fable so, de- so definitely says the speech is something which happened later and therefore the language the internal language is an optimal inner language one. inner, inner language. language came before speech yes so that is optimally designed and what we have been trying to study last half a century in generative grammar is trying to actually map or mirror that inner system of For the that mind. you have to simply ask rakesh whether animals think to animals think exactly i was yeah. thinking that animals do think, think do they say should i take a left turn should i go for that bread that's thrown there no no uh, depends on which animal you are talking so the thinking, scenarios and possibilities thinking uh, is very uh, almost uh, uh, proportional to the size of the brain with respect to size of the animal so uh, apes uh, monkeys are even uh, lower vertebrates they think they they respond they have a strategy then I mean, it should be straightforward no then language is let's say speech is just the next step of that yeah, and then written word no, is just the next step have, after that well, animals have certain that language it may not be speech it could have been just eye contact yeah, but yeah, it is yeah. that's why i said either yeah. the necessity or an accident that, that speech happened you know today we are talking nuance. and communicating but we need not have communicated because this thought is that if you knew telepathy i don't have to speak with you right we can have this in don't need to record this interview exactly. because we can understand each other perfectly rakesh's point is that it does not need to happen in one individual it would not have happened in one individual it's unlikely i mean it's not but mutations part. do happen in one individual and it passes through the family through reproduction and yeah, yeah. but that that individual will not uh, use uh, right that's the, what i said that, so they when we goes to next one then there are other 
it's a new individual now being formed yes. which carries this particular yes, mutation yes, the, yes. all the bo- cells in the body will have but that mutation will be so uh, effective that it will create something as complex as For it will language be. to have arisen because of genetic mutation it should be a heritable trait at some level that's but what the not. claim is that heritability is passed on through generations and after let's say 3 4000 years later you have the need to externalize so the other, and that's the, when speech happens something that will argue against it that means all the human beings are then the clone of that individual who acquired first mutation which is a uh, which will be a disastrous thing for any species to be clonal right in the thing but there is we always but then variety won't we, emerge we won't survive see, evolution is always if, if for a population now individual is a unit uh in this case you can say a token, a token for this time right and the but it makes sense only if it is compatible and uh, effective as a population because we always live as a population uh yeah. so this will get exchange which will But come into contact this is is that exactly no form a very hand very good pe- group, group of, of people, people it yeah. happened yeah a group so of it is people. quite possible that before that this mutation happened and then mm-hmm. this out of africa carried through to the rest of the world But the point was that the, the idea is that speech is inconsequential in in a way, right. and so language is not really for communication. Right. So that's the T-shirt slogan that we would like to popularize. Right. That language is not for communication. What is it for? It is, is it communication for? inside your brain. It's, it's like, for cognition. You know, it's cognition and this structured thought that I'm talking about. Like, it's there it's is a, a way of organizing perception. That, it's a way of. Uh, it is yeah but in let's say the difference between let's say structured thought and a pure thought what i say is that like let's say that well it's i think almost one hour we have been talking that's a structured thought that is almost like language like it's not speech yet but it's that there in my head but if i say oh i'm feeling too hot and you know the ac should be turned uh, down a little bit more then that's also a thought but of a different kind of thought it's more like uh, emotion in uh, in uh, infested thought so there there is that's not really gives rise to language as such but this is structure and this is what i think chomsky and others claimed based on their work with steven j gould actually paleontologist in harvard right. who in fact uh, this will bring back to our first question that you asked rakesh and his answer which i appreciate very much the answer that this is not in actuality what happens it's just a you could even say it's a pedagogical tool this mm. whole family tree or yeah, tree yeah, yeah, of yeah. life is for matter of convenience but the point that i was going to raise then was that it all these family trees including what we do in linguistics also somehow has this implicit understanding or uh, connection that there is one point and in many cases it is a simple stage and later on complexity or diversity comes right that is the view of family trees and language that's trees that's what evolution and, leads yeah, to yeah yeah but that's not the fact that's what steven jay gould showed that if you look at for example he studied this burgess shell in which of uh, discovered sure. in 1909 and studied by walcott and then whittington later on and they showed that at any point if you take a snapshot you take a photograph of any point in this evolution of this you know 540 million million years ago this uh, just after the cambrian explosion these uh, organisms were found and the fossils were kept intact for the volcanic uh, eruption happened in the canadian sure. rockies you find this and he looked at those and the history of that in this uh, book called wonderful life 
he showed that in uh, that the uh, people were not really um, uh, able to classify them there were four kinds of arthropods but there were about 20 to 30 other right. uh, things which they were, could not be classified so we are coming back to the taxonomic question it was much later this uh, uh, whittington that he um, took the step to say that there are the kinds of species is there a way of thinking of this in terms of numbers can one say how many how many types there are in any realm i know you brought in this question of realm but how does one say how many types there are is there a way of thinking of that um uh, i think this uh, this way of asking question is is not the right thing mm-hmm. i um, personally i feel that uh, you uh, really cannot enumerate like it's a kind of non denumerably infinite kind of types there will be right uh, like you you cannot really count and uh, one thing i was uh, thinking about your uh, saying first thing that uh, strikes me that as ordinarily we think that environment influences speech and language very much a child picks up the language where where even where he um, like visits a new place the child picks up language easily and environment matters a lot but there needs uh, to be an organ or a capacity to pick it up right i mean of course environment matters there's no doubt about it huh, there is a role that the, the context plays contacts and uh, language change you're talking about and, that uh, yes. like and another thing is um, that what about gesture language i had the impression that probably um probably gestures uh, worked as a means of communication and which probably, is the point uh, that uh, i made that it could be eye contact which is yes. the point he made in fact i can ago. make another point in this connection since premada asked it's a good point um that speech by the mere physics of sounds you know physicality of sound it cannot one sound cannot uh, two sounds cannot be uttered at same time so right. time one sound one time two sound two like that right there's temporal progression right temporal progression that is you could say quote unquote disability of speech because i can't do more than one sound at one yeah. time yeah. but in sign language i can i have to not only i can in speech also i can do many things like i'm talking and also making face gesture yeah. but it is unnecessary if i am in a room which you can't see me also you can understand if you can hear me but in uh, sign language you have to so if i ask a question for example like where where is like place is this you put one finger on the palm of the other hand and then move this uh, general right. questioning thing but you also have to raise your eyebrows you have to tilt your head in front you have to orient to yourself to the speaker and you have to do that if you don't do that if you just say this then people i mean that's a person, complex gesture like, it's not a simple person will think that you are actually illiterate you know you don't mm. know how to ask a question so this is very integral part of it so you can actually do more than one thing so because it is cross modality you can do many things but speech is limited by the physics of sound you can't do many things but our thinking does not require that order our thinking is all the time uh, overlapping it is not jumbled up but it's overlapping whereas speech has to be ordered so then you have this whole notion of types or tokens of these kind of languages with the verb is at the end this kind of language with the verb in the front this kind of languages with the verb in the middle these are all actually tokens of that idea that okay you need to have a subject and a predicate and the predicate needs to have a verb and an object 
That's so helpful, Tanmay. Do you think of classifications and types in terms of similarities and differences? Or rather, is the notion of similarity different from the notion of difference for you? Or are they the two sides of the same coin? Uh, in fact, if you want to say that A is similar to B, A cannot be totally similar to B. It'll have to be different from B also. So these two notions are related, are interrelated. Like you cannot define difference without similarity. You cannot define similarity without reference to difference. Would you think of uh, this in the same terms? If if one has to, like, I mean, let's go to the world of diseases, for example, right? I mean, there is, there is, we, we're all similar in many, 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 many ways, but we are different in very specific ways. See, that is the beauty of life. So there is a commonality and then there is a uniqueness of each individual. Uh, uh, like if there is a virus going around in this room, maybe I am susceptible, but you guys are not. That is because of uh, our genetic difference and sometimes it may be something other than genetic. How different are we? Is that realm specific? Is that yes, depends yes. on that specific virus? No, no. How different we are is a very so, defined question that can be quantitated. So I can tell how many nucleotides, we have 3 billion, 3.2 billion nucleotides, how many are different between you and me. So, one so can, that can be quantitated very precisely. Consequence of that difference is not clear because we know very little how uh, the information uh, works in the in the DNA. But, let's but say the relatedness for, and all uh, can be very accurately determined. But for, uh, let's say, we thought of the notion of disease, for example. Uh, so mm, for a specific mm. kind of disease, yeah. can, can it be said with very, very, very high accuracy that, you know, I'm way more susceptible than you are? It can be. But uh, we need, uh, there is a way, there is an approach to this and it can be done, but we need uh, more information. And the information is uh, one, we need, let's say, genomic sequence or large number of people. Mm -hmm. uh, say, for if we are talking one disease, maybe few thousand. And then... Or just we, a few thousand would do? For, for one disease. And then we need the epidemiology of uh, those 1,000 people for that disease that how often I catch that disease and how often you catch. And then we say that you never got, I always get. And like you, there then are, you can let's say there are 500 people who never get a disease. There are 800 who often get. So then I will see what is common in these 800, which makes them susceptible. And what is absolutely missing in these 500, so makes them resistant. Then I will come to the point that if this particular sequence signature or it can be even single mutation uh, is present, this guy is going to be susceptible. So that's a this simple presence-absence test. Yes, yes. Now, actually, that is what is uh, uh, the whole idea of genetic uh, basis uh, or susceptibility to disease. And even the same thing applies even to the cure of the disease. Some drug will work in you, will not work in me. You but that's not how it works today, right? I mean, we, so today we, we are actually... Uh, there's a sledgehammer approach. A we bit. are treated like cattle. I mean, cattle also need respect, but uh, because that's the information available. My physiology is different. I, uh, so everybody is thought of as being the same type, same but in reality type, yeah. they're not. Let's so say for that if specific. you are 80 kilo, you get some dose. I am 70 kilo, I get some dose based on mass. You get. But we are not calculating 
uh, we have not estimated how fast I uh, metabolize that drug and how fast you do. If you do half the speed, you need actually half the dose. Otherwise, the same thing will be hanging around in you as much higher. So this called. But this is more than a dosage problem, right, Rakesh? Dosage is, is one thing, which is called pharmacokinetics, pharmacogenomics. This is a hard field now. People are developing because it's expensive in the sense that you need large number of people and their uh, uh, medical history. Uh, so people are calculating that what drug to give, at uh, what dose to give. And what time of the day? No, but the question, Rakesh, is that so mm-hmm. when you make these slightly granular distinctions between how vulnerable you or I might be mm-hmm. on a specific disease, is that only are they only genetic markers, or are there uh, other kinds of markers as well? Uh, no, no, genetic is one. Then there is a whole lot. We are we start with as one uh, nucleus, one cell. After that, uh, all this differentiation, number of cells. Uh, 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 formed and organ tissue and individually formed but during this process we also interact with environment right and then we have ability in our inbuilt ability in our genome to uh, record that information and even remember it for a long time so these called are called epigenetic uh, right. effects so epi i don't want to use uh, no that's jargons, fine epigenetics but, is totally cool okay <laughs> now okay so then we can use frequently which means Two things don't make genetic sense. They are identical genetically, but functionally different. Right. Actually, one extreme thing we, I can tell is that each cell in our body has identical DNA. But one cell is used as a neuron, a long neuron works for right. thinking. Another one used in the blood as a carrier of oxygen right. or catching my. Uh, so the functions bugs. could be very different. The functions are completely different. You isolate these cells and show somebody, they'll not see it's the same genetic material which has given to this uh, different genetic output. So the question, Rakesh, is that if you had all the epidemiological data you needed, and a lot of that is a question of ferreting data yeah. out. If I had a specific disease, you could come up with a precision medicine yeah. only for me to... I think it's a matter of uh, maybe a few years. I, I hope not more than uh, 10 years, less than 10 years. That when you go to a doctor, doctors may not be required at that time actually. Though somebody <laughs> who knows the thing, the like your Aadhaar card, they will the take your DNA sequence and calculate and tell you what you need to do. Right. You don't need, without that, they will not treat you. Like today, you don't open a bank account without your uh, Aadhaar card. Same way, you'll not be able to enter dispensary without your genetic information because you will be uh, wrongly treated. The way we are today, yes. half of the cancer, half of the psychological. Uh, Most chemotherapies don't work. It must don't be. Don't work. 50% yeah. of them don't work. But we are treated because that's the only option we have. But if once this precision medicine and personalized medicine, which is basically linking, genomic information to our uh, response to the drugs, then we will get precise treatment. To the philosopher in me, Upriyambada, I'm not going to the ethical part of this. I'm on this whole business of having a more granular understanding for how different two individuals might be. I was thinking... What what does that mean to you? How do you interpret what Rakesh has been telling us for the last five minutes? That is very interesting. That's the first thing I'm uh, learning from you. But the similar type of treatment is there in Chorak Shonghita. They are are, uh, asking that each 
patient is different from so it's another another way of classifying people yes another way of classifying and they are uh, saying that every everybody has some general um, like you know all our physical body is made up of more or less the same elements but the proportion is not the same in everyone so you have to that presence absence test in a way yes like uh, cough pitta and vayu these three uh, are the men uh, like uh, dominance of one will create imbalance as long that as idea of humor no as long yeah. as they are in balanced position you are fine healthy if one is imbalanced then you are in disease so everybody whoever uh, in like in whose body which element is dominant that the doctor will have to find out first Mm. so i can just say that uh, <laughs> there is a lot of research going on <laughs> to find the genetic basis of this uh, different uh, nature what uh, ayurveda describes uh, uh, charak samhita describes there's a lot of uh, emphasis on and there's uh, interesting results but also coming up but there's still types they're fairly i mean crude is the wrong word but they're large groups yeah, no yeah. there are maybe seven types yeah, or five types right. yeah that no, will be larger are... group then the uh, see the, if you have to uh map all the way up to individual level then it will be very difficult because the, for every individual is different and new people it will be different no i think my question is that let's say if you do this using this yu patterns some of these other classifications how many types are there of of how many such types are there three five three. only three but when the patients are come, coming that you cannot say that uh, i'm classifying it into these three because the combinations makes so infinite combinations is, the weighted is differ the weight is they differ and they are asking you to consider one single patient as the only patient i think the question and, and the doses will vary the question for you rakesh is that let's say for a certain type of cancer is it likely that there are 572 different types of human beings and for another kind of diabetes it's likely there are only seven types i mean do you know what i mean or is the is the level of granularity kind of equally dispersed and uh, another thing can i say sorry uh, interesting ahead. that is they saying that all our diseases are psychosomatic sure so the first uh, some i mean not all some is reality also when virus infects you cannot do much i have a different take on this similarity uh, issue and i feel that um in linguistics at least modern linguistics it has kind of subverted this type token business because it has never been central to linguistics right in spite of a non technical understanding thinking that type token is very central to languages right. it's not so much so but if you look back upon the history of this at least the generative grammar tradition i can show there is one clearly there's you know earlier before 60s it was a rule based kind of system so you could let's say study one language marathi or something and you could say it has like 45 rules and every kinds of types of sentences i can types of sentences i can analyze like let's sentences with a negative marker sentences with a question marker i can analyze these are different types and then subtypes within the tokens different kinds of sentences like that right so that was the rule system which fell into that type token uh, pattern very easily but it was only when people started thinking of language as uh, giving us a window to the human mind mm. that the uh, formalism also changed 
the formalism became from a rule system it became difficult to actually control the rule system because in some languages it is like 50 rules some languages two rules so the natural question is that the child is learning the language in the same way whether the child is born in iceland or in kolkata they're learning the same the languages each language is same way in fact we know that because the kind of mistakes they are making us same okay so there must be a pattern in learning language right so then this does not explain that behavior this rule system so the system changed to principles and parameters which i think brings us back to the question uh, in in a clear manner there are, there are principles let's say five principles all of us have used in our linguistic ability and different tokens let's say i have this sentence in khasi i can say a causative sentence in this way a passive sentence in this way those are only instances right okay of there occurrences of occurrences you could say there is six engines which is this is a vehicle which runs on six cylinders <laughs> and then each of these tokens are a product of different kind of combination of these six engines so then the whole type token you know uh, classification hmm. that, is that becomes almost redundant it becomes redundant completely it's, and it's, that it's is all how, combinatorics after that right, operating and, on principles and this is what thinking is like in thinking about language is that so we still continue to have these titles of books and dissertations saying passive in khasi or um, reflexives in manipuri but uh, <laughs> those are only epiphenomena so right. coming back to rakesh's epigenetics, epigenetics yeah. these are only epiphenomena you happen to have this kind of peculiar structure in this language but i can explain it with my six cylinders so that's the idea so i think that type token is not there it's replaced by something uh, uh, more dynamic sounds okay to you prem bada uh yes yes it is uh, it is going through transformation the, the distinction between type and token but the ontological question is that where do these principles come from like uh, it, it's fine to say that you know languages are organized basis these six principles but it's a little is, unsatisfactory you know the claim is that you are actually kind of born with this have certain test which are with infants they were done and they could uh, see some of these principles in operation it's quite possible in one language let's say you end up speaking odia you don't have a particular it's a binding theory the well, technical fine. term you don't have it but you so you don't have exactly like in english the more the way you say he shaved himself or she saw herself in the mirror you don't say it the same way in let's say in odia so you can say this principle is not operative in odia but we have other constructions in odia which are nonetheless combinations of this and this also explains the similarity and difference because then you're going to say the differences across languages is coming out because of the different combinations different of weightages but the universal yeah. part is those six cylinders i mean i'm simplifying simplifying a bit sure. but those six cylinders that every human child is born with and depending on where that person is born with what kind of language experience of that child is you're going to uh, motivate only certain cylinders and certain combinations of those cylinders so you end up with let's say oria or you end up with some does this language. match your intuition rakesh mm. yeah yeah that's what i think he said rakesh yeah, is exactly so we we there is a ability i would say instead of you call it a six cylinder whatever and that is uh, once situation is applied you will come up with a uh, definite uh, consequence of that which is a, a particular language or certain behavior mm, i have a little bit uneasiness like the six cylinders uh, like like can you can can you uh, can you 
prove it in the way uh, like biologists prove it that these are the six cylinders which everyone will use uh, or is it a kind of assumption you prove it maybe uh, and tanmay knows this I, i have no idea i'm uh, just making a guess that that you, that you prove this by uh waiting for the time when it doesn't work like you prove it by noticing that there are no contraries to it the, the, like that yeah. six cylinders are not there these principles still... seem to explain everything so it's a, the uh-huh. claim is that there is you we look at the sentence structure and uh-huh. the phrase structure various properties you know clustering uh-huh. of properties and then we say well if let's say binding theory whatever that is in binding principle is at work then you would get this kind of combination in these kind of sentences but you don't get it that means binding theory is not at work yet at the same time you get certain kind of what we call bivakti or a karaka on let's say one argument let's right. say the subject or the object then how do you explain that you say well the same thing is done in this language by some other combination of case theory and theta theory something like that so it's like the the This is what's something the, which is universal. About what's the future. The, like, what's the source of your uneasiness, Priyambada? Uh, like, can you show, she said. Huh. You know, can you prove it like a biologist through the DNA uh, printing? Can you do it? We do it not through DNA or human body, but we look, look at the language forms. So you prove it by uh, not having any exceptions, right? Yeah, that is definitely a part of the methodology. In fact, we start to look at that. In fact, uh, first one of the first things that we try to find out, which is very difficult when you go to the field and you have to train students doing that, is to find out what this speech uh, speech community cannot say, right? Or cannot say because that is the negative evidence you can use very strongly to prove or disprove something. It's a totally scientific uh, method, um, but the descriptive method is you so go and. What's the answer list. to such a question? What what can they not say? Well, then it's, you it's have to. It's a semantic question, or no, it's it a syntactic no, no, no. question. I think it's a, you have to do a lot of extensive thing to figure out this thing they are not able to do. Yes, yeah. what they are not able to say is that a is, semantic question or a syntactic? No, question? it is a syntactic. I mean, from yeah. our perspective, it's a syntactic question because semantic is more oh. about the competence of the human being. No? Sure, sure. So it and that is very difficult to map, and that connection between what is what we are studying mostly, as I said earlier, is speech, the production. and that one more point i didn't want to bring in this discussion so far is that the outward manifestation of so called like pemmer said earlier the language that's exactly what we say the language that i'm born with and honed it over my experience to the actual language the outward manifestation of that is speech and that is what gets into our education system that is what also gets researched mostly but in some ways we are studying the wrong thing but it has great consequences for the education system which is of course a different topic right. i think that brings us back to this question of origin is there a one original point or several do you think of uh, life as the life the way uh, i think uh, priyambada brought up meta language mm, uh, uh, for a biologist life is uh, only one life they uh, which is uh, living the very things ba- living things which can make their own copies uh, and with the ability to adopt otherwise they will get terminated with the change of time so that is for uh, uh, there's no doubt about that and about this origin thing we are coming in the so today as far as we know about the kinds of living being around 
there is no doubt that they have originated from one if not uh, one individual then very one few pool of, no, one pool of uh, In, individuals uh, individuals very simple one the the very f- fact i was mentioning is that even bacteria and we use same mechanism there are several thousand uh, genes which are basically they make proteins they are functionally uh, interchangeable even that we can just replace some of our genes with the gene of yeast and it will work so that means those guys uh, they, there is a common origin to that there is no this is the binding uh, 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 the most clinching evidence now we are not depending That's a fascinating on fascinating actually aspect yeah. like we are not now depending on is the fossil learning like you priyambada you are at ease with this i'm at ease with this with i'm this? a little bit uncomfortable with but so this is a more vedanta like notion for you uh, um Oh, let's connect no, Vedanta with uh, uh, evolution. Connect Vedanta because uh, whenever we are talking about the living world, as we are moving freely, that's uh, from the Babuharika point of view. Yeah, you that you is, you want to subsume everything into one, no? Living, no, I, non-living. No, no. See, there is mundane one. There is <laughs> another is, one. That is from a different point of view, and you know that tendency is everywhere. Even he is trying to put everything under one, one type <laughs> <laughs> because that's the kind of human tendency. I and I'm a little bit uncomfortable with uh, that. Like with that six cylinders explaining everything. Then what about our future? <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> what about our future If of language? Ten cylinder is okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not a number <laughs> <laughs> it's a kind of deterministic world view uh, isn't it yes that's it okay. is very much uh-huh. very much so I what about the so what's the future we'll end with you pramada what's uh, the what's the future of, like of that's, this, that's that open ended that should be like it it, it should not be uh, i i shouldn't uh, use the word should it seems that it must be open ended because we don't know Oh, what will happen in future and um, probably uh, how could we determine something which will happen in future of course this is the uh, point the of claim, the uncomfortability is like, with i think the question huh. is more around this question of this type token business uh-huh. so nobody is asking for future of a language or world anything or language or universe uh, or life uh, about the future of type token uh, distinction i think like every other distinctions these distinctions are created by human minds and uh, these are not that absolute so do different types exist last question of course yes in the mundane level of course exists and But we cannot but how can you say mundane them. level if types are abstraction for you then there are more universal levels no, I mean, in the mundane level there are, there are uh, abstractions there are particulars mundane in the sense of uh, a different point of view like suppose um, when you are looking when you are looking uh, at uh, any landscape you find like there is a house there up there this is down there and now when you from the aeroplane you look look there from uh, look from so at up, the highest level there are no types uh-huh. no there are no like no distinctions they are all at the same level 
No, no, but then there should no be there shouldn't be any notion of high and low either. But that's fine. I think we are no, no. we are becoming. I think we have lost resolution right in this yeah. process. So that's why we are not seeing the types. If we go uh, more uh, closer, uh, more deeper, you will find uh, types. The, like we can uh, conclude it in this way, that if you have this viewing from eternity, that's not a general viewing. It's not the same as seeing. It's not the same as seeing. It's a it's a technical uh, term. See that subspecie uh, eternitatis. When you see from that point of view, then there is no tokens. There is only one type. And otherwise, when we are here, then there are distinctions. They're all their types and tokens. All their types. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks to all of you for making it. it and we Thank you. Look forward Wonderful. to having you soon again. Thank you Thank for you. having us. Thank you. Uh -huh. Thank you. Thank you so much.